is a second loneliness, you could call it that way. And maybe it is precisely the fact that you have found a home and feel deeply loved. There is still a hole when you have found a home. Pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together. We have to understand that we're not each other's enemy. We have to say, let's move forward. It can feel daunting to not be perfect when you've got all these like perfect people. People aren't perfect, no one's perfect. Um, so we're, we're in our significant series. Um, and, um, oh, I, yeah, and I'm Elby, if you're new here, I'm the youth pastor, and it's uh, yeah, great to have you here. Um, yeah, and I hope that you stick around um, and go out to the cafe and be good to get to know you. And uh, so I work, there's three of us in the youth ministry here, and it's a real privilege and an honor, and we have a lot of fun. Um, and a few months ago when uh, they uh, came up with the idea of this series, um, the brief was that we would pick a character um, from history or from the Bible, uh, who has had a significant impact on the world, and also uh, that that character would have had a significant impact on our lives. So, and I was thinking, oh, this is cool, and I started thinking about, I was going to pick some really kind of, I wanted to have some creative, sort of edgy person that I was going to pick, you know, from the world, you know, someone that maybe people didn't realize and he'd done some great stuff and it was going to be kind of fun and creative. And I couldn't think of anybody. And then I was thinking, okay, well, I'll find some real kind of edgy, creative, like real, like some person from the Bible who hardly anyone knows about and they, but they've made, you know, because an everyman kind of guy. And I ended up picking this guy, Abraham, and it's a hardly a creative, edgy guy. I mean, like, you know when you're in Sunday school? What's the answer to every question in Sunday school? Jesus, right? And then if that's wrong, what's the second answer? Abraham, right? He's the answer to every question. And so it's hardly an edgy, uh, small, it's a, you know, he's a big kind of boring guy. But, um, but uh, as we're going to find out, uh, Abraham has had a profound, significant impact on all of world history and, um, and I just couldn't escape the passage. I couldn't get around the passage that I felt I had to share uh, from Romans chapter 4, where Paul does a kind of a commentary on the life of Abraham, and that story is found in Genesis. So anyways, with all of that, uh, and, and, and this passage and this, uh, the faith of Abraham has had a huge impact on my life. So that's where we're going today, and uh, away we go. We'll just pray. Uh, Father, we thank you so much that you are here, that uh, this place is the house of the Lord. Um, Father, wherever your people gather, it's not the building, but wherever there are two or three, uh, your word says that you are amongst us. Uh, what a phenomenal thing, that we can know for sure that the creator God is actually amongst us. You're in us and around us. And Father, thank you that your word is true, that your word is the only hope that we have. It's the only truth. And your word has the power to change us. Your word has the power to grow us. Your word has the power to shine a spotlight into our hearts and show us what needs to go, what needs to stay, what we need to prune, and what we need to, 
to foster and to grow. And um, Father, we just invite you afresh to come. And Lord, it's been a tough week for us as a, as a church family. And we know that there'll be people who are hurting and possibly confused. Um, so we invite you, Holy Spirit, just to come afresh. And, and may we sense your peace. May we sense your, your power and your presence. Uh, Father, and I just pray that today you will take your word, your infinite word, and that you will just let it sell, settle into our hearts and make a difference in our day, make a difference in our lives, and help us to grow uh, because of your presence and your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool. Okay, we're in, we're in Romans chapter 4, and um, let's have a read of this, this scripture. It's an awesome scripture. And uh, away we go. So Abraham, we're in uh, Romans chapter 4, verse 17. Abraham is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. And isn't it amazing? That's the first time I heard that story this morning that you know, we, we haven't planned this, but here we are looking at this passage about uh, Abraham who believed in a God who gives life to the dead. And we just heard that phenomenal story from Frank of a baby that was as good as dead and came to life because they prayed. Um, and just to highlight that when we read God's word, it's not a fairy tale. It's, they're not just nice stories. Uh, but we're talking about a real God, a living God, as we'll see uh, as we carry on. We're good to go here. Can you next next yeah cool? Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said of him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yeah. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. So it's a story about hopelessness at one point. And I want to just ask you the question, yep. do you ever feel hopeless? Do you ever feel hopeless? And what do you feel hopeless about? Now, I'm going to ask you just to uh, get to know your neighbor. Try, try to speak to somebody around you, behind you, in front of you that you don't really know. And, uh, and I want you to, to talk about what makes you feel hopeless. Now, don't go too deep because we'll go a little bit deeper later. Um, but just this kind of stuff, um, like if you're in a family and, um, and you like the toilet seat up, and, and every time you go in there, the toilet seat is down, or vice versa, that kind of thing. Like you like the, the, the toilet paper should be flowing from the top, um, or should it be flowing from the bottom? How many from the top? Is that the way the toilet, okay. How many should it, should it be flowing from the bottom? That's right. Yeah, we're right, of course. And, uh, and it's hopeless. And you, it's absolutely hopeless because every time you go in there, so you've been working hard all day, 
and, um, and, and, you know, you tidied up the kitchen when you left. You know, you're a good husband, and, you, you know, you made everybody's breakfast, and you've tidied up the kitchen, and you come home at night, and it's just a complete shambles again, and no one's done the dishes. It's completely hopeless. Or how about, you know, you're driving along in your nice 73 Holden Kingswood, you know, brand new kind of flash vehicle, and, and it stops, it stops on you, and so then you go to the front of the car, like I do once a week, and you lift the bonnet of your vehicle, and you just, are you just hoping that there's just a big switch in there that says off, and then you go, oh, and you flick it on? No, it's always hopeless. You just look in there at the myriad of, of pipes and computer stuff and nuts and bolts, and it's hopeless. So what makes you feel hopeless in life? Find someone you don't know, bingo, go and tell a story. Wow. I feel uh, I feel sorry for you guys. You must be real hopeless because that conversation just was going and going and um, there must be a whole lot of problems in your lives. Um, I just want to show you um, a video in a second and I'll set it up. And this is a, a, a truly hopeless situation. It's 2010. It was um, in Zagreb, Croatia. And it was the Adriatic Basketball League final game. And the team, which you'll see in a minute uh, with, the, with the white and the blue, uh, that's Chibona. And the other team, the dark color, is uh, Partizan. Now, Partizan was up. There's about a minute left in the game. And Partizan was up 72 to 68. Um, and there was one minute to go, and then Shabona, miraculously, the white team, they score two three-pointers in under a minute, and suddenly they're ahead, 74 to 72. And there's only 0.6 seconds left in the game. So it's absolutely hopeless for partisan, isn't it? Let's watch.
<laughs> um, let's give that guy a hand, right? Let's, let's, uh, <laughs> oh man, I, um, because I, you know, in preparing for this as a good Bible uh, student, I had to watch this video about 10 times, <laughs> and I've watched every single face in the background. It's absolutely priceless. His name was Dusan Kessman. Um, he threw, uh, he, he got the ball in with 0.6 seconds left. Uh, that shot was 75 feet. Um, the hoop, a basketball hoop, is 10 feet above the floor. It is 18 inches in diameter, which is 46 centimeters. The ball is 10 inches in diameter, uh, which is 24.26 centimeters. And he made that miraculous shot. And it was, well, two things to learn from this. And the first one is never celebrate too early, right? <laughs> And uh, the second one is, it's never hopeless. It's never hopeless. Um, and I wonder, you know, I've wondered about Dusan Kessman, and I'm just wondering, will he ever talk about anything else for the rest of his life? Like, imagine, you know, you sit down at a dinner, you're having a cup of coffee with Dusan, and you say, hey, so how are the kids? And he'll say, well, there I was. <laughs> 2010, who cares about my kids, <laughs> you know? Uh, what an experience. So we're going to go into Romans 4 here, and um, we're going to just talk a little bit about the context. So, and, and we're talking about, you know, our theme today is that in, in, in the face of no hope, when everything is hopeless, and we're looking at Abraham, uh, and of course, this is Paul's commentary in uh, Romans chapter 4. He's, 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 he's kind of doing the trailer of Abraham's life. Um, and, and two things to to be aware of is uh, this passage in Romans 4, what Paul is really talking about, the context uh, of, of what he's talking about. Yeah, he's talking about Abraham, but he's really uh, writing to the, the, the Jewish Christians in Rome, and he is trying to make it clear that you cannot become a Christian on your own. And so he's using Abraham as the perfect example of what faith is about. And so he's really talking about the fact that you can't keep the law, that you will never connect with God because we're sinners and because we're not perfect and God is perfect, that, that you can never do enough to reconnect yourself to God. And that it's absolutely hopeless. And he's using Abraham's story as an analogy or as a metaphor of that. So that's kind of the core of, of uh, where we're at today when we're reading this passage. So don't forget that. And, and the other thing is, is to say that this message that, that we have today, it's absolutely crucial to the Christian faith. So, so this, what we're looking at is right at the very heart. It's at the very target of God's message to you and I it, because it's talking about the, the, uh, there's nothing more important than how we can actually be connected to God and, and that we can't keep the law. We have to come to the end of ourselves and we have to put our faith in what God has done for us. And, and as Abraham faced hopelessness and, and only a miracle could save him, that's kind of the message for us. But it's also the only way that we can carry on with God. It's not, not just how we meet with God, 
but it's also how we must carry on with God. It's how we must continue to follow God. In Colossians, it says that as you receive Christ Jesus, so walk in him. As you first met Christ Jesus, continue to walk as you met him. And, and that's kind of where we're going to be going today. And so I'll just do a quick little brief on Abraham. Um, so, uh, so this is the story that, that Paul is referring to in Genesis chapter 12. He was born around 19, or he lived around 1921, uh, 1,921 years before Christ. Uh, the story is from Genesis 11 to Genesis 25. It's just such a cool story. If you're new to this and you... Um, you know, you haven't read your Bible, you don't know your Bible, uh, just grab one and just start reading around the, these early stories in Genesis because they're such human stories. Um, he was born in Ur of the Chaldeans, and about 100 years ago, there was a, a new school of liberal theology about 150 years ago, and I've been reading this book recently, and, and they went out to prove that Christianity is just a whole lot of rubbish, it's just a whole lot of fairy tales, and that the stories in the Bible aren't even true, because the, the science of archaeology was just in its infancy. And so these liberal theologians in the States were trying to say that none of these places really exist, and they were, all of these stories were probably written kind of 500 B.C., and, and there's just no proof and there's no evidence, and it's just all a whole lot of fairy tales. And then as, as archaeology began to develop, they began finding all these places, and there's some beautiful information on this place, Ur of the Chaldees. It's exactly where the Bible said it would be, and they go digging in the Middle East, and they find all this stuff which just validates our faith and should give us, should give us courage. He was a wealthy uh, livestock farmer. His family, his father was Terah, his wife was Sarah. He had a nephew, Lot. His sons were Isaac and Ishmael. Um, his career stats, he met God in Genesis chapter 12. Um, he, um, he and Lot, uh, God told him to leave uh, where he had been brought up with his dad and he went to this land, Canaan. And, um, and, and he actually gave his nephew the choice of the best bit of land. There's a real cool story there. And uh, Lot took the best piece of land. So um, uh, Abraham was generous. And it didn't work out too well for Lot because then um, Lot was attacked by their enemies and they took him away. And Abraham had to go and save him um, in Genesis chapter 14. And then they meet this mysterious Melchizedek, which is a fascinating study. And uh, Melchizedek is... You know, some scholars, a lot of scholars believe that it was Jesus Christ actually appearing. Um, other people have different opinions, but it's just really interesting stuff to read and to study. Um, he was promised a son, and now we're getting to the heart of the story. Uh, so God met him and promised that he would have a son from Sarah, and also that he would be the father of many nations. Um, Abraham doesn't really have enough faith, so he tries to, because his wife, Sarah, as we'll find out, couldn't have a baby, and so he uh, stuffs it up by trying to uh, fulfill God's promise in his own strength, uh, which created a huge problem, which is still with us today. Um, when God promised that the son would be born, which was Isaac, he laughed. So it's just such a human story. And God says, you know, why are you laughing? And, and Abraham says, well, I didn't laugh. And God says, yes, you did laugh. So it's just so human. It's like when you're talking to your kids and you said, you know, so who put the peanut butter all over the carpet? Well, I didn't. Yes, you did. You know, it's, but it's just very human. It's very real. Um, 
Uh, and he was, and then, and then phenomenally, and this is we're getting to the faith of Abraham, which is at the heart of our, our message and our story today. He was asked once this miracle child was born, then God asked him, would you be willing to give up? Isaac, would you be willing to give up? Um, and, and all of his hopes and his dreams and his identity were wrapped up in this boy, if you read the story. Uh, and his whole future, his whole, his whole legacy was wrapped up in this boy, and Abraham was willing to give up that son if God wanted him to. So that's an amazing story. He dies at 175 years of age. Um, and we want to um, just ask a few questions of this passage. And we want to ask the question, what was Abraham's secret? Um, and this is, this is his legacy. This is the, the significance that Abraham has had on the planet. That he was... Um, looking for my notes here. He was, um, he's honored in Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. So that means that on this planet, there are uh, over 5 billion people that know the name of Abraham. There's over 5 billion people today that in one way or another honor Abraham. His life and his exploits have been captured in thousands of uh, sculptures and paintings and uh, dozens of movies and TV series, and there's a new movie coming out on the life of Abraham. And the question that we want to ask today, and, and what we would love to learn from Abraham, and I think this is the question which can make a difference in your life and in my life and in our church, in our churches, what was his secret? What was his secret? And I'm just going to pull three things out of this passage, and the first one is this. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. So Abraham came to a place where he was absolutely hopeless, just like that basketball team. And against all hope, Abraham continued to believe. Uh, the word, well, Martin Luther King said, we must accept finite disappointment, but we must never lose infinite hope. And Abraham was able to hope, to continue to hope in the, in the, in the, in the sight of absolute hopelessness. The word hope in uh, Greek is elpizo, and it means an attitude of confident looking forward to what is good and beneficial. An, a, an attitude of confident looking forward to what is good and beneficial. And, and Paul tells us that, that Abraham did not give up his hope, even when everything was hopeless. And there's this verse that comes right after it, and this is where you can see uh, um, the mechanics of how hope works. He believed in the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. He believed in the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. That's what Frank discovered on his missions in Papua New Guinea. God gives life to the dead. There is always hope. And he calls the things that are not as though they were. And this is for me, this is the verse that probably is one of the most significant verses. That's why I've picked this passage and that's why I've picked Abraham. Because it's, it's one of the most powerful verses in my life. God calls the things that are not as though they were. And it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what your neighbors think, what your friends think, uh, what your buddies at school think, what your friends in the old folks' home think. What matters is what God thinks, what God says, and that's what is. When God says something, that settles it, I believe it. And God calls the things that are not as though they were. And God changed Abraham's name. His name was Abram, 
in the story, which means exalted. He was, he was a significant guy in his day. But God said, you will be the father of many nations. And God renamed him. And I want to ask you this morning, is what name do you put on yourself? What name do your parents put on you? What name do your friends and neighbors put on you? And most significantly, what name do you put on yourself? But God calls the things that are not as though they were. And I want to ask you, what are the are nots in your life? What are the things that, that, that just aren't right? And again, what are the names that you've been given and what are the names that you might believe? And I want to just, just I'll throw some things out there and I'd like you just to meditate. What are the are nots? What's not right in your life? Which leads to hopelessness. Young people, nobody cares for you. You are not popular. These are the things that, that, you know, when we leave mom and dad, we go off to school, primary school, and intermediate and high school. These are the things that matter. You're not good looking. You're not useful. You're not going to succeed. You don't get invited to the right parties. You get bullied. You get put down. You are not the top dog. You are not a winner. What are the are, not, what are, the are nots in your life? What are you battling with? For adults, you're not smart enough. You haven't been trained enough. You are not skilled enough. You just can't get the job that you want. You're not successful like your neighbor or your friend. You know, the gloss is worn off. You've, you've, you've left high school. You've gone through university. You're now out in the real world. Your life is taking off. What are the are nots in your life? You're not a good enough husband. You're not a good enough wife. You're not a good enough father. You're not a good enough mother. And those of us that are getting older, you know, what are the are-nots that you look back over your life and you haven't lived a worthy enough life? You are not what you wanted to be. And these are the things, these are the things that we face in life. And many of us, even as followers of God, that we are beat down and we, and we, we carry along, we carry the hopelessness of our failures and we carry the hopelessness of, of not having achieved. And, and, and we carry the names that people gave, gave us. But Abraham chose to believe in the name that God gave him. God said, Abra- you're not Abram, you are Abraham. That you will be the father of many nations. I'd just like you to close your eyes for a second, Please. What's the name that God wants to give you? Wherever you're at, whether you're a young person, old, adult, what does the, what's the name that God wants to give you? And who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the world? Or are you going to believe God? Abraham chose to believe God. Okay. Secondly, he faced the facts. Now, I think this is just so important. Because this is something that we don't like to do. So Abraham chose to believe God. Secondly, he faced the facts that his body was as good as dead. I'll read it again. He's our father in the sight of God on whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead, and he calls things that are not as though they were. Against all hope, 
Abraham and hope believed. But he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he didn't waver through unbelief. And what you and I often do, and what I, I, I've just done this over and over again, is I, I give my life to God and I realize I can't do anything and I accept his forgiveness. But then I try, uh, I take off and I try to serve God in my own strength. I try to bring something to the table. It just doesn't seem fair that God does all the work, and I can't bring anything to the table, and I want to put something on the table. I I want to bring something significant to God, and I can remember, just like it was yesterday, uh, in my early days as a youth pastor in Tipuki, and I, would, I made it a habit to try to get up at 5 o'clock, you know, just trying to be a great youth pastor. We had this great little youth group, and I would get up at 5 and go to my little sliding door at Makatoo. I could just see the ocean, see the sun coming up in the summer, and I used to pray for our young people, and I'd pray for our church, and I used to pray for the school, and pray for our town. I was trying to give something back to God, and I was feeling really good about myself. I was feeling that, you know, here I am, it's 5 o'clock in the morning, God's going to answer my prayer, and the youth group's going to grow, and we're going to be great, you know, there's going to be a revival in New Zealand. I felt quite encouraged by that. And then, somewhere along the line, and I did this for quite a while, it'd be a year or two, I started hearing a little voice at 5 in the morning saying, you know, the only reason that you're up at 5 praying, the main reason is that you want this youth group to grow, so that you can make a name for yourself, so that you can be successful. And sure, you care a bit about God, and you care a bit about the kids, but, but at the bottom, at the bottom, the bottom line is, you're in it for yourself, because this is going to make you happy. This is going to bless you. And I, you know, I fought that voice. I said, not, nah, not true, and, uh, and I battled through, but my, my prayer that day wasn't as, 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 blessed, and then the next day, and then the next week, and then the next month, and I fought that voice over, I could still remember it, and I would be fighting this voice, and all of a sudden, I wasn't enjoying my prayer times anymore, and I wasn't feeling so good about myself, and I I tried to run from that voice, and I didn't want to face the fact. I was trying to run from it. No, I'm not that bad. I've, I've got some good motivation in here, and I wonder if this is what you're doing. I wonder if there's areas in your life where you're just not wanting to face the facts because the facts are just too horrible. But Abraham was willing to face the fact. And in facing the fact, he came to the end of himself. And this is the only way that we can really go forward with God. God doesn't want to, for you to put in 1% and for him to put in 99% because that's not faith. God wants to bring you to the end of yourself where you're all in, where you're done. You've got nothing left and it's all got to come from God. And Abraham was willing to face the fact. I could still remember the breakthrough where this one morning I just had a mental, you know, like if anyone was listening or kind of back in, you know, no one had the old iPhone filming me and stuff, but it would have got a trillion hits. I just had this mental. I was going, all right, okay, you're right. I yeah, only care about myself. Yeah, I don't really care enough. I don't love people. And I had this, I just kind of spewed out. I had this big fight with God. I didn't know if it was the devil or if it, it was God who was talking to me. I said, yeah, you're right. And I, I admitted it. I'm just a selfish man. I, you know, I'm going to quit. And, and in the peace after all of that emotion, I just heard a little voice going, good. Now we're ready to start. And God was saying, good. Now you're seeing yourself the way I see you. I still love you. 
I died on the cross to pay for all of those sins, for all of that lousy motivation. I pay for your selfishness. And you know what, Albie? There's stuff in you that you don't even know is in there yet, and I've already died for it, and I've forgiven you for it. Amen? Face the fact. Don't be afraid to face the fact. What facts do you have to face? What facts do you have to face? What are the things in your life that you don't want to face? And finally, Abraham was fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. And if you'll notice in these three things, they're all for Abraham, the reason why he has been so significant, the reason why there's five billion people on the planet that know his name is because all of it, all of his endeavors, all of his connection with God, he's looking away from himself like with a telescope. He's looking away and he's looking at God. And it is in this verse too. He says he was fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. And I want to ask you this. Today, if you're in hopelessness, if you're in a place where you don't want to face the facts, if you, you're, you're lukewarm in your Christian walk and you're just not feeling like you're getting anywhere, I want you to think about what are the promises that God made to you. And I just want to read some of them. Because Abraham was fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. So it was all up to God. Abraham was at a place where he was absolutely empty. And he had nothing left to give. He knew himself, and yet he continued to believe, and he put his trust 100% in God. And these are the kinds of things that God says to you and to me. And do we believe that, they, you know, do we believe that these are true? Do we believe that God can be trusted? For no matter, in 2 Corinthians 1, no matter how many promises God has made, they are all yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Second Peter says that through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. Now listen, th when you stand on the promises of God and not on yourself and your own ability, he's given us these precious and great promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. The way we can break through to significance is by standing on God's promises. A righteous man may have many troubles, Psalm 34, but God will deliver him from them all. John 14, in my Father's house, for those of us who are grieving this morning, here's a promise from Jesus. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I, wouldn't, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. These are the promises of God. One more, 1 Peter. But rejoice that you participate in the, in the sufferings of Christ so that you may, over, you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed in you. Against all hope, God calls the things that are not as though they were. We're going to stand. Let's stand. And I want to pray, and then we're going to go, and, and we're going to reach out. We're going to connect with God afresh. But against all hope, and I'm just wondering where are you at today? Every single one of us, we're in a different place, and we've got different circumstances going on. Only you and God know. Abraham was an everyday man. Abraham was, was an every man, an every woman. He wasn't special, but God chose him. 
And God showed him that he wasn't capable. He, wasn't, he didn't have the ability. And God gave him a new name, and God gave him promises. And Abraham banked everything on God and on his promises. And five billion people know his name today. And God has called you to some, some significance in his kingdom. And God has a name for you. God has a personal name for you that is wonderful and that is beautiful and it's based on his, his death on the cross, his forgiveness. It's based on what he's put in you, the gifts that you have, the abilities you have. You have a calling. And I want to challenge you. What's your name? And what's the name that God has given you? Because God calls the things that are not as though they were. And you may say, I'm not significant. I'm not a good dad. I'm not a good student. I'm a failure. And I want to say to you that that's a lie. That God calls you significant. God has a name for you. And yeah, you have to face the fact that in yourself, you'll never live up to that name. And therefore, you're empty, you're bankrupt. And all you can do is say, God, over to you. And you have to trust completely in his gracious love for you. And begin living out. When you do that, you begin living out that significant life that he's called you to. Father, um, just love you, God. Uh, we worship you, Father. Uh, you just sense that you're in the house. Um, God, we... It just blows our minds that you could still love us even though there's nothing good in us. You love us. You call us. You give us a new name. And if we put our faith in you, Father, we can just live an amazing life of significance. And in the name of Jesus, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to touch every heart and to help us to step out the way you want us to step out. Amen.